Welcome from Euractive. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your digital and media editor. This week we take a closer look at the world of digital advertising. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website Euractive.com. This is Euractive's Digital Brief Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jason Kint, CEO of Digital Content Next, a US-based association of premium publishers. Thank you, Jason, for joining us. Ah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Jason, we have seen a lot of developments in the ad tech sector. Google's uh, recent uh, move uh, of the privacy sandbox to Android, the conflict between uh, Apple and Facebook. Can you give us an overview of where the sector is at the moment? Yeah, there's there's a lot moving right now. It's uh, you know, some of it is just uh, announcements and proclamations of things that are to happen in the future, which is mostly the case with Google. Uh, none of the changes have really rolled out yet. They're just forecasting that they will happen. And in the case of of Apple, it's actual change that they rolled out last year that's having significant effects on the market. What what these moves have in common is they appear to be a push towards addressing privacy issues, data protection issues, consistent with the law in Europe and GDPR and, and changes to the law here in the United States. But it's techn- technology and participants in the web and the app ecosystem uh, moving to, I, I describe it as more closely aligned with consumer expectations and what users expect around privacy um, and limiting in particular the tracking of users across their activity, across multiple contexts, across the web, across apps, where companies that they may not even know are collecting data about their, their use of the, of the web or apps. So private companies are moving ahead of sometimes even regulators in these privacy matters. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Does that mean that we are living to a big tech uh, regulation of the online space? Generally, it'd be a concern uh, because the, the companies that are driving this change have extraordinary market power. Um, we'd like to have the law, um, in particular GDPR, you know, be enforced in a way that it also is driving this change. Um, I, I would say in the case of, of Apple's moves, and I think this is helped by the fact that Apple, for the most part, doesn't make any money off of advertising, that most of their business is, is based on delivering consumer-facing services. You know, Apple's move seemed to be very much aligned with what consumers want and expect, and I think it's very much a positive move, um, regardless of a lot of the, the rhetoric from, from the, the ad tech companies and, the, and some of the other uh, companies that very much uh, survive off of, of surveillance and, and, and targeting users across the web, like Facebook and, and Google. Um, so I think Apple's move was overall positive, And so I would frame it that way. But yes, it does give you, should give us great pause when you know, these companies with extraordinary market power are determining the rules of the game going forward rather than, rather than the regulators. Um, and I, you know, I have particular concern. We have particular concern around, around Google's pronouncements and where they're headed because of, of their 
business being so dependent off advertising. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine that Google would propose any solution for privacy that could have a negative impact on its own business. Right. And so if it's, if it's by default going to be a positive for Google, it's going to be a, probably a negative for everyone else. And that's very concerning. Indeed, competition has been mentioned as one of the main concerns. And one of the criticisms that uh, we hear often about Apple is that privacy for Apple is you're protected from everyone except from Apple. Do you see this becoming a trend with other big tech companies? Uh, Google, in its uh, announcement of uh, expanding the privacy sandbox to Android, criticized Apple, but do you see a common trend here? You know, you know I do. Um, I think some of the arguments around Apple are are disingenuous and and unfair, um, in the, and exaggerate the way Apple uses the data. But that said, again, you know, competition very much needs to be integrated with with data protection policy, and and so we're seeing that happen on both sides of the Atlantic, where antitrust enforcement is is overlapping with data protection enforcement. And that's really important. And I think the Digital Markets Act in particular, uh, when it gets uh, approved, you know, it's focus on gatekeepers and in focusing on you know, issues that gatekeepers are able to exploit because they have such extraordinary power with the consumer in the marketplace that that there needs to be higher level of limitations, heightened limitations in the way that they can collect and use data, because there's really not a choice not to use their services by definition, because they're gatekeepers. We, we don't have an option, you know, not to use Google search for the most part, that's practical. We don't have an option not to use Apple or Google for our devices or Facebook to interact socially. And so these are by their definition, gatekeeper services, and they're able to abuse those roles, and we've seen them do it in order to collect and use data beyond the way any user really would expect it to be used. And so those heightened limitations are important. We're, we're bullish on the Digital Markets Act moving forward. And frankly, we're also really concerned about GDPR not being properly enforced, particularly around uh, the, the purpose limitations and the specificity of, of how um, that consent's actually supposed to happen. Um, this idea that that Google in one click can get rights to all of our data that they can mine across all of our activities across the web 24-7, wherever our mobile device is on us, and then use that data for however they want in order to extract as much profit, that's that flies in the face of, of GDPR, and we expect more enforcement there too. Just to follow up on that, so major platforms can create some sort of uh, wallet garden uh, where advertisers or publishers would have a very hard time to compete with them. But doesn't cross-app uh, or cross-website tracking allow to sort of demolish that wallet garden? So isn't, in a sense, this trend toward um, against uh, Cross uh, cross website tracking also favoring the most established platforms. You know that's the common uh, concern, but you know with those limitations on gatekeepers and those purpose limitations from from GDPR and from the Digital Markets Act, 
you know, it, it really does limit the collection and use of data to the context in which they're able to collect it. And so in more real world, real world terms, I think it's often missed that most of a majority, better than 50% of, of Google and Facebook's data doesn't come from the actual choice to use their services. It comes from third parties when the user's not actually even intending to interact with, with either of those companies. And that's unique to Google and Facebook. It's in the uh, United Kingdom's investigative report, and they found that that was true. And so that means that these limitations from privacy regulations and also from technology limitations like what Apple has done really should cut out better than half of the data that they're able to collect from third parties. And it forces a Google or a Facebook to actually only have the data where you intend to interact with them. And so, you know, yes, Google will have data from when we search for things on the search engine. And you can still make an argument, a very good one, that that's a monopoly uh, service and a gatekeeper service. But, but that's just a piece of the data right now that they're using. And, and by cutting off all of the tracking or what I would call surveillance across the web, it very much does have an effect on Google and Facebook too. And we've seen that. I mean, Facebook is living proof. They just said they expect to have $10 billion less revenue this year because of Apple's changes. And you know that wiped out a quarter of a trillion dollars of their market cap. So I think that's probably the best evidence we have that it affects them too. In the Digital Services Act, there is a provision um, proposed by the European Parliament that would allow the use of automated tools, for instance, uh, web browsers or operating system where a user would express their preference not to be tracked. Now, again, wouldn't these put web browser like Chrome or uh, Android, um, EOS, in a position to dominate the market because they would block all other trackers except their operating system or their web browser? Well, I think uh, the intent of what's written into the Digital Service Act, which is similar to what's in our California law in the United States, too, is to give the user a simple, persistent, easy way to say, I just want one controller. I just want one company to be able to have access to my data. Um, and that's the one that I'm in that moment intentionally interacting with because I've pulled up their website and I'm using it, right? Or I'm, I'm using their app. And so that's the intention of it. Now, if you suggest that there could be a loophole that allows the browser to continue to track you, that would fly in the face with, with what that law is intended to do. And, and frankly, the, the browser, you know, by definition, a browser is a user agent. It works for the user. And so if, if by the very definition that Google has a dominant role and has the largest browser, but they're able to make it do something the user doesn't want it to do, which is say, I only want you know, one controller. I don't want to be tracked across the web because they happen to own the browser. I would think that's, that causes all sorts of other legal issues for them, including, I would expect, antitrust enforcement too. It would be an abuse of the role of, of Chrome and also of Android if they did it with Android. Coming to the uh, publisher 
angle. Your association represents major uh, publications like the New York Times, BBC. Uh, in Europe, uh, there has been a lengthy discussion about uh, banning targeted ads in both the context of the DSA and the DMA. And in several occasions, publishers have expressed concerns uh, that this uh, total ban would lead to a drop in revenues. How can we ensure our more privacy-friendly internet that is also sustainable for um, publishers and the media sector in general? You know, the, the, the aligning with consumer expectations should be a net positive for publishers, uh, a legitimate publishers, let's call them, ones that, that users uh, give their attention to, choose to visit because they find the news or entertainment valuable. And so privacy in many ways aligns with that. It grows consumer trust and it should be a net positive for legitimate, what we call premium publishers. And so, you know, changes may cause short-term disruption in the way the market works because the ad tech ecosystem is so dependent on, on the way data is just kind of spread, you know, and casted broadly right now. Um, but, you know, that flies in the face of GDPR and, and change has to come and, and we need to participate in it. And it will be a positive for publishers and a positive for consumer trust. Um, and I think that, you know, separate... Separate from that, the you know the anyone else in the ecosystem that's that's able to collect and use data for their own purposes um, is going to be in a very very difficult position. Also, that I think is probably a positive for the ecosystem. So I I see this overall as a as a positive change. Um, the the use of the word targeting um, and and the concern around targeting that's always concerned me. I think that that is a a legitimate concern because it casts way too wide of a net. It's, it's, I almost wonder if it was intentional in order to try to stop some of the change because there are lots of ways to target users and a lot of them are in line with the user's expectations. If, if I told you that, um, you know, you were going to visit uh, a technology review website and you were going to have ads targeted based on the products you're looking at on that website, whether it be contextual or elsewhere on that site, because you happen to visit a review for computers or televisions, I don't think that would be that much of a violation of your expectations. And frankly, if it did, you probably wouldn't visit that website anymore. And so the incentives are kind of aligned to, to give you what you expect in that product. Um, it's, it's tracking that's the real issue. It's the collection and use of data across multiple contexts by companies that you're not even choosing to interact with that then is used for other purposes downstream. That's the real issue. And so this whole concern around a ban on targeting, I think is very confusing, frankly, and problematic um, because I don't think that's the intention of where the law is going. I don't think that would be good for publishers. And actually, I don't think consumers would would be that pleased with the result either because that's not the real concern. It's, it's actually tracking. Jason Kint is CEO of Digital Content Next, a US-based association of premium publishers. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for having me. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Digital Brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview on all digital affairs in the world of European politics and policy. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. 
I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.